This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Monday, May 21st, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And as always, we want to help you invest and manage your money wisely. And we want to help you with some perspective, give you some data, and give you the right frame of mind to make these type of decisions and do them as well informed as possible. So this is the place where we talk about different investing approaches to help grow and protect your money. We also might touch on some personal finance issues, really anything money related that you want to talk about, we're open to. So speaking of money, it has obvious, uh, obviously affected the fiscal health of the country. And according to Goldman Sachs, the fiscal outlook for the U.S. is not good. It could pose a threat to the country's economic security during the next recession. Now, what do they say the main culprit is? Well, we'll talk about that uh, a little later in the show today. But first, it's time to take your calls. So step right up and call me now with your finance question. Nothing to fear, whether it's beginner or experienced. No question is too simple or really too complex. Call 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. 888-99-CHART. So let's go to a call that came in before today's program. Hi, my name is Rich, and I had a question about uh, baby bonds. Um, I stumbled on them accidentally, uh, just looking for different investments online, and um, there's really not a lot of information about them. So I was just wondering if you could give me uh, your opinion on baby bonds and um, maybe some of the risks and rewards associated with investing in them as well. I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, got it. Okay, so I'm looking at, I I don't really deal with baby bonds, uh, but according to Vestopedia, they're fixed fixed income securities issued in small dollar denominations with a par value of less than $1,000. So typically, if you own, if you purchase a one single bond uh, in relation to a a company or a sovereign nation or a municipality, usually they're in denominations of 1000 uh, why some companies would issue baby bonds? I'm hmm. I guess it's for the retail investor. It looks like uh, many are zero coupon. To me, the this just goes back to uh, uh it's just a, it's just a bond. It's just a debt instrument. Uh, we don't deal with them. We we buy individual bonds uh in in increments of a thousand. Um. Uh, really, I can't say they're good or bad. It's just like a normal bond. It's the underlying creditworthiness, risk versus reward of the the issuer of that quote unquote baby bond. Um, so I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say it depends on which uh, who's issuing them. Um, if you can't afford a thousand dollars for a particular bond, I guess it could be an option if uh, the prices are attractive enough. Uh, but that's interesting. I mean, I have heard of them, to be to be frank. But I definitely haven't. We haven't. We don't deal with them because we deal with clients with you know, 
six seven figures in in in, in uh, investable assets. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we ever use them. Probably never will. Uh, but once again, it's all about the underlying issuer of the bonds, just like any type of bonds. So about your fiscal prosperity and how it could affect the fiscal outlook of the country. Uh, now this is Thomas Frank reporting for CNBC and USA Today. Uh, he has a bold prediction from Goldman Sachs and he talks about the fiscal outlook of the United States. And the quote is, an expanding deficit in debt levels is likely to be put upward pressure on interest rates, expanding the deficit further. This is according to Jan Hatzius from, uh, he's a chief, She's the chief economist over at Goldman. Now, back in December, you may remember that legislation passed, uh, leg legislators passed the package of corporate and individual tax cuts. Well, that ballooned the deficit. Uh, Goldman is forecasting the federal deficit will increase to $825 billion, 4.1% of GDP, to $1.25 billion in 2021. And by 2028, the deficit could be as much as 7% of GDP. So what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, the supply of debt, of treasury bonds out there, T-bills and, and, and bonds, are likely going to explode. Uh, not only, and, and this is, what, what's really even more scary about this is this is assuming an economy that's relatively good. Uh, and we know that recessions tend to happen every 10 years or seven to 10 years or so, and we're nine years into this recovery. And so the odds of a recession between now and 2021 are, are high, and they're almost assured to happen. It's almost sure to happen by 2028. Um, so that's a little worrisome. Uh, and it's true that uh, there's a combination of factors, okay? There, there's, there's multiple factors that are going to drive interest rates up. And I'll explain what they are. One is that exploding deficit, A. Two, uh, the recent rise has driven by the Fed shrinking its balance sheet. The Fed shrinking its balance sheet. So what that means is the Fed's no longer buying securities, uh, rebuying securities that mature. They're letting them roll off, and then someone, the, the government has to reissue uh, treasuries, and they're bought by not the Fed anymore, but by the public, and they're demanding a higher interest rate than the Fed is because the Fed was just they they were they're not really price conscious. They're just going out there buying whatever the prevailing rate is. And there was a lot of people front running those that particular trade. And so now that's unwinding, right? It's reversing. And so that's driving interest rates up. You're also having higher uh, commodity prices, weaker dollar in general, even though there's been a rally recently. And that is uh, certainly, uh, inflation is a bad thing for the bond market. Uh, and then you have uh, countries like China, like Russia, um, you know, non-U.S. allies that really don't like our reserve currency status uh, of the U.S. dollar, and they're trying to find ways to compete uh, with, uh, with with the U.S. dollar, and that's only going to continue and and create a structural headwind for the dollar kind of longer term. Uh, and once again, a weaker dollar creates inflation in general, and that is bad for the bond market because inflation is a, a negative uh, and a drag on returns in the bond market. So when inflation picks up, bond buyers demand more return. So this is really going to put pressure on interest rates longer term going up. And we've talked about this, right? We talk about how bond prices or, or interest rates go 
generally 30 years up, 30 years down. We had a peak in the early 80s, uh, and we had a, a final low, I think, in bond yields about 35 years later, 2016, I believe it was, uh, when that happened. So interest rates are probably going to slowly rise over the next 30 years, and this is something that you need to be aware of. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Justin Klein with a quick reminder about our May 30th webinar. That's the date. It's only nine days away, so Steve and I will be explaining the power of fundamental and technical analysis. We're going to go over the process, and it's an essential tool that we use every day to enable us to make informed buy and sell decisions on particular stocks and companies. Now, you too can learn all about this, but you've got to register. It is free, though. So please register now at investtalk.com. You do know that we do this show for you, right? We're trying to help you grow your money. The least you can do is call with your questions. There's no charge for answers. So give it a try now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Mike in Tampa. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Justin, I was wondering uh, what your thoughts are on Celgene. I bought it at 88, and it seems to be getting crushed recently. I was wondering if you think I should buy more or just uh, wait or sell. Hmm. This has been quite the uh, quite, has been really taken on the chin. It's 52-week high is 147 dollars a share. You bought in at 88. Now it's at 74.69. The close today, so we're down about 50 percent from its all-time high. Hmm. They raised guidance earlier this month. Good. It, it's earning the last report. Uh, we're we're good. So I'm I'm not sure why it's reacting so much. Hmm. I'm trying to figure this out as well because the numbers aren't terrible. You know, uh, earnings are still supposed to grow 15% this year, 20% next year. You know, that's you know that's that's being downgraded by analysts some, but that's still relatively good growth. P ratio is 10. Return on equity is high. They have a decent amount of debt. Uh, you know, Celgene, this is a biotech company, right? They develop therapies to treat cancer, immune inflammatory disease, and re by regulating cells, genes, and proteins. Do you, uh, do you, have you, have you studied any of their, like, patent loss potential uh, that's coming up? Any rulings against them uh, when it comes to that? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So that's something that for any type of drug company that you want to really uh, understand. Uh, and some companies are dependent on just a, a handful of drugs. Some are very bra diversified where they have, you know, dozens and dozens of different drugs that they sell. Some uh, generic, some pa off patent or some, some uh, on patent. Uh, and, and then there's patent cliffs where patent goes, uh, expires, and then competition comes on. And then usually that hits the, the revenue and the profits of the particular uh, and, uh, company. And, and uh, sometimes it's a large part of their revenue, sometimes it's very small. Uh, for Celgene, I would really need to look into that a little bit more. So I definitely uh, would, wouldn't touch it right now. I would sell it and before you, uh, you know, get any more losses and do some more research. Um, because to me, this it is near support, but actually, it's kind of broken that. Uh, to be honest with you, 
I don't, I can't think of an, I, I, I would need a, my charts uh, actually in my office. I, I do the show from home. Uh, uh, but I would have to give you a level. Shoot me an email. I can do a little more research uh, off off air uh, and really give you a level on this. But the technicals are absolutely atrocious. And that's, to me, not making up for the the, the, the fundamental picture, which looks fairly good, uh, even though they right. kind of have a lot of debt. Um, and their profitability is strong. Uh, I I don't. The technicals are so atrocious that I just can't recommend you staying in this because I can't find a floor at this time. I need to do a little more digging, and I need to understand. Like I said, what does their business look like? What is happening? Something's happening. The stock isn't going down like this for no reason. Something is happening with uh, future revenues, future profit potential with the company. Um, now it's getting relatively cheap, but like I said, the technicals are so poor that I would take my losses right now, do a little more research and find a, a big, better level. And I'll do that for you if you shoot me an email after hours. Okay. I'll send you an email. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. That was Celgene. C-E-L-G is a symbol. So going back real quick, anything... Uh, uh, medical related, you need to understand what their product portfolio looks like, especially in this regulatory environment. The regulations on on drug prices are going up, uh, and the way they can raise prices, things like that. Uh, the the industry is changing, uh, and so how much exposure do they have is really important, as well as their patent cliffs that are uh, potentially coming down the pipe. So let's go to, let's talk a little bit about what I want to discuss today. One, our main talking point is going to be about how to invest in real estate uh, by, and, and how to invest in it, not by buying individual uh, property. And many times I would recommend that. For most people, I think that is uh, the way to go is by investing in real estate other than directly owning individual uh, properties. Some people it's, it fits, some people it doesn't. I'm going to talk about uh, those options out there. I also want to talk about Italy. It, this is something that's starting to creep in. I know they on CNBC they talked about it, but this is something I've been watching for a while. They're having issues. The sovereign problem over there uh, in Europe is continuing, and we're going to talk about that in more detail. Also, we're going to talk about retirees, and then the... Um, people shunning retirement accounts. So we're going to talk about that as well. But I want to hear from you. Anything that's on your mind, give me a call. 888-99-CHART is our number. That's 888-992-4278. And this is Invest Talk. Are you a risk taker or are you someone who feels more comfortable with a risk cushion? Why not take our risk test? Use our free risk analysis tool. It's there for you now on investtalk.com. And you can use your phone if you'd like to talk with Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Dave calling from San Leandro, California. I got a question on Chemtrex Incorporated, Charlie Echo Tango X-Ray. I took a pretty big hit today, down 22%. I'm down probably over 40% in that position. And I'm wondering if I should invest some more into this company. What do you guys think? Thank you. Bye. All right. He's looking at Semtrex. This provides electronic manufacturing services of advanced electronic systems, assemblies, and monitoring instruments. 
They uh, recently acquired a company in New York. Uh, what else? Uh, it's a very small name, $25 million market cap. Uh, definitely micro cap company. Trains at $2 at 18 cents a share. Uh, decent, uh, actually not that much if you consider the price. A volume of about 82,000, or 50-day average volume, 73,000. Pretty low volume stock. He pays about a 1% dividend yield. Revenues down 32% year over year. Earnings are flat, even though uh, this year they're supposed to be up 29%, 113% next year. Trades below book value. That's good. Uh, let me look at some other info. Little, little deeper. You know, these are these are small cap names. You don't usually get a lot of info on. Uh, Twenty-five million dollar market cap, about six million in debt, uh, in net debt. Enterprise value to EBIT is three point seven, so it's relatively cheap. Uh, cash from operations is about six million, and its operating earnings yields about fifteen percent. That's pretty high. From a valuation perspective, it's not really expensive. To be honest with you, uh, however, it's such a micro cap name. Uh, this is very high risk. Uh, you know, 25 million dollar market accumulated revenues of 113 million over the trailing 12 months. That's down 32 uh, percent year over year. Like I said, net income is relatively. I, I just don't like it. Uh, just because relatively, it's just too small of a name. Extremely high risk. It is relatively undervalued, uh, but. Because it's so small, I just can't recommend it, even though it's uh, near support. I don't know. I, I, I have trouble with a name like this, technically so poor, uh, so up and down with its earnings, and such a small name, me recommending you add to it. Um, uh, but if you're extremely high risk and you're okay with that and you know maybe a little bit more about the company than I'm telling you, uh, then maybe you hold it or maybe add a little bit, but it's hard for me to do that at these levels. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sell or at least uh, at, the, at the very best to hold on Semtrex Inc. C-E-T-X is a symbol. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. Now, let's talk about different ways that you can invest in real estate without actually buying physical property. Now, last year's housing market was a very good one. Uh, housing prices rose uh, about a little over 10% on average across the country. And what was actually interesting wasn't really the, the coastal cities that did the best. It was places like Buffalo, New York, Atlanta, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio. Those all had price increases of over 20%. Those are typically B and C markets. So what that actually tells me is that we are near the end of the cycle uh, because people are looking for relative values. The prices in the coastal areas and the A uh, markets have really risen so dramatically that uh, the cap rates are so low. I know in Southern California, uh, you know, they're three to three and a half percent cap rates. In Northern California, they're two to two and a half percent cap rates, which are extremely low and really below the cost of, of capital, the cost to borrow money, which is, uh, 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 I don't like to buy, would never buy real estate uh, as an investment without uh, a cap rate above the cost of my borrowing. Um, so, you know, that's why a lot of people are pushing into these other B and C markets, and that's why they've been going up. So, uh, it's 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 hard to find good values out there, but you can still invest in real estate in other ways. Uh, well, you can buy ETFs or mutual funds that own uh, REITs, 
and that's one way to get exposure. Nothing wrong with that, especially if you don't want to do a ton of research and you want to get broad diversification. Find one with a good track record long term. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's probably an area that you don't want to be indexing. You want to be buying some active funds that are really good at identifying the, the, the sectors and areas of the REIT uh, space that are attractive and the companies that are attractive. Uh, and that takes some digging and there's some good funds out there to do that. Uh, that do that. And then there's uh, buying individual REITs. So if you want to do your own research, you can invest in, in REITs uh, that give you diversification across a particular area of uh, the real estate market, right? Some REITs invest in uh, apartments, others in commercial uh, properties, other uh, in retail, others in maybe senior living properties, and some others in an industrial space. Uh, so there's, uh, they cover a lot of different areas of real estate, and you're able to do your own research, find the sectors that you really like, uh, and without being a landlord, okay? And they, a lot of them pay good yields. Uh, one thing I would recommend is not buying non-traded REITs, and this is something actually, actually the SEC came out recently and warned against non-traded REITs, and you'll get pitched these a lot. Uh, and they noted that their lack of liquidity, high fees, lack of value transparency creates a lot of undue risk for the investor. So always stay away from non-traded REITs, uh, you know, uh, private placements, things like that. Those are very, very high-risk investments. So that's the start of our talking point. I'm going to get to more a little bit later. Now, whether you're an old hand at investing or new to the game, we are here to help you find answers. Or perhaps you simply want a second opinion on uh, an investment strategy or a stock you're looking at or a stock you're holding. All you have to do is call. Our anytime number is 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. Invest Talk host Steve Peasley says, without using fundamental and technical analysis, you're wearing a blindfold. With it, you have a valuable tool. You can look under the hood. Revenues, income. See the company's management structure, the strength of their business. Learn to transform technical data and pricing trends into an actionable trading strategy. Technical analysis doesn't tell you whether or not to buy a stock, but it can tell you when to buy. Fundamental and technical analysis. Now, we don't promise in an hour you're going to be a master, but at least we'll get you familiar with what to look at, what to consider, what to do more homework on. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. And help you understand how to use two of the most powerful analysis tools that investors have. Register now on investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com, and click on the investtalk tab. Since the date is drawing close, here's one more reminder. Our free InvestTalk webinar is scheduled for May 30th. That's just nine days. It's free, but attendance is limited. So register now at investtalk.com. You can call anytime, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Ellen from Michigan. I would like your thoughts on Principal Financial Group, PFG. I'm wondering whether this is a stock worth getting into right now around the $59 price. Love your show. Thanks much. All right. Now, if you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you'll see that I do have uh, some information up on Principal Financial Group. 
And this is an insurance company. They offer health and life insurance and provide retirement, annuities, and related financial services. Uh, they're pretty big in the 401k space. I know a few people over there. Uh, and uh, they recently had a, a ticket on, took a little hit. Uh, 52-week high is around 50, $75, excuse me. And now it's about 22% off that high at about $59.18 a share at the close today. Modest amount of debt, but the reason things are not looking so hot is revenues are down 5% year over year, uh, and <clears throat> they were down 8% year over year last quarter, uh, sorry, the quarter before, excuse me, uh, and uh, you know earnings are just kind of flattening out again. Uh, earnings are supposed to go 13% this year and 7% next year, but those are also being downgraded. Yields about 3.5%. On the dividend yield, book value 1.3 times, modest amount of debt. I like that. Return equity is 13%, which is okay, but not fantastic. Let's look at its what it's trading at. It's trading at seven times enterprise value to EBIT, which is uh, not too bad. I'm trying to find a little bit more information on this. Let's see what cash from operations is doing. I think that's a, an important metric, cash from operations. This is stripping out financing uh, cash flows, investing out, uh, cash flows. What is its principal operation doing, and is that going up or down? It's an important metric. And that is near, uh, still near relative all-time highs. So let's go back to the, the chart. It is at some support. Uh, it is it is relatively undervalued, I would say. Uh, you know, it's not super cheap. Its P ratio is 11, uh, which is a little over simplistic, but uh, relatively low. Um, its earnings are flattening out, but it's pretty uh, steady company going up in uh, value when it comes to earnings, and I like that. You know, I think it's okay. I just think it's okay. I, I, you know, the company's good, but one thing I don't like is that it has uh, exposure to annuities. And if you understand what's happening in the financial space, is brokers and commission-based products are kind of being phased out in a lot of ways because of the conflict of interest it, it, it creates. And that's why we have never been uh, big proponents of of commissions. We never collected commissions on you know, investment vehicles or anything like that, uh, and why we're registered investment advisors and we're fiduciaries for our clients, and uh, that is going against the grain of insurance companies like Principal. So the parts of their business, I think, are, are certainly weakening, even though the 401k side, I think, is pretty good. I think they're a good operator on that side. Um, so I'm going to say it's just an okay name. Uh, don't love it. Don't hate it. Just kind of give it an eh. Let's go back to our talking point. That was about real estate, investing in real estate. And I talked about how you can buy real estate investment trusts directly or through a particular fund. But you can also get exposure to real estate in other ways. And one of those is investing in real estate focused companies. And I'm talking about names like Marriott and uh, names like uh, Wyndham Worldwide. These are companies that own hotels they uh, or they're resort operators, right, where someone else owns them, but they operate them for them on their behalf and collect a, a fee. Timeshare companies, commercial real estate developers, etc. That's one way you can get exposure to the real estate market. Uh, you can then buy home home builders as well. You know, there's a limited supply of existing homes and one uh, well, the only way to fill that is to build new homes. Uh, now there's kind of an, now become an oversupply of multifamily homes, apartments, things like that. But in general, uh, 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 single family homes are undersupplied and that should at least give, uh, it doesn't immune the builders from problems going forward. 
but it's one way to gain exposure. Also, you could buy a physical property and hire a property manager. They usually take about 8 to 10% of gross rents, but it takes kind of the, 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 the weight off your shoulders. Uh, that's one way of doing it. Uh, you know, you're, you get the benefits of being a landlord, but without all the hard work and headaches. Now, uh, that depends on valuations. You've got to find good deals, especially in this market. Like I said, cap rates well above your borrowing cost. Um, but that's one way you can gain exposure without the headaches of being a landlord. You could buy real estate and uh, related notes, right? Uh, you're talking hard money lending. Uh, you could also uh, buy Freddie and, and Fannie Mae bonds, things like that. Uh, invest in, uh, uh, what else? You could, what's the last one they have listed here? Oh, real estate online. I would not recommend this. Fundrise, reality share, reality shares. These are a uh, couple of the ways you can invest in real estate, but with a small amount. I would not recommend those. And the reason is they're relatively new, their structure's new, uh, and they haven't gone through a downturn, right? Almost all of these have been been created post 2008. Uh, because of uh, uh, different rules that have been created in the environment of low interest rates and people chasing yield and people chasing uh, real estate investing. So uh, I would not recommend really any of those until we see a downturn and we see how they fare during a downturn. And to me, it's just like owning a mini private REIT. You really don't know uh, too much about them. You don't know what they're exposed to. And you don't know how well they'll be tested in a downturn. And so I would definitely not be getting exposure that way. So if I'm going to invest in real estate, my top three ways are going to be individual REITs, number one, and that's by doing your own research, uh, diversified, active, managed mutual funds or ETFs. I think there's probably only mutual funds that are actively managed currently when it comes to the REIT space. So one of those two. Uh, and then and then probably individual operators like a, like a Marriott, like a Wyndham Worldwide, companies like that that collect a toll to operate hotels for other people and have a, a long track record of operating successfully in a lot of different market environments. And those are the ways that I would gain exposure to real estate if it was me. Now, just what is our Invest Talk Insider program? Well, you get market forecast updates, special watch lists uh, like real estate investment trusts, uh, ETFs to, sh to short the market, uh, income ET, in income uh, info sheets, things like that that will help you become a inv better investor. You also get access to our entire library of wealth webinars as well. So to get in on it, it is free. Visit investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk tab. Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk. Hello, this is Brandon. I uh, love your show. Just wanted to ask what you guys thought on Apple. I know it's on the all-time high and wanted to see what you guys thought. Well, uh, I don't think I need to tell everyone who Apple Incorporated is. Uh, largest market cap uh, company in the world, $922 billion, and uh, it's probably justified. Uh, it's not necessarily undervalued at these levels. I wouldn't say it's necessarily overvalued. It's, it's probably at value, to be frank. 
Um, it's certainly a very good company. Uh, high return equity over time, 37%. Uh, near term, it's definitely overbought. Absolutely, it's overbought. Uh, needs to come in a little bit. Needs to consolidate. Uh, and I think it likely likely will. Um, so it depends on your time horizon. You, you're trying to play this as a, a, a trade for the short term. You know, you want to wait for a pullback. Uh, but if you're looking for a long-term company to, to invest in, you know, I know Warren Buffett's a big, a big owner, and you know, the, I, I, I love Warren Buffett. I think he's a, a very good investor. I do think he's overrated to some degree, but uh, he's, he certainly knows what he's doing. And uh, Apple is a, 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 a good, good name, and we own it for some managed accounts, so we certainly like it, and we've owned it so, for some time. So uh, I like Apple long term, uh, but short term, it does need to kind of work off its overbought situation. That was Apple. A A P L is the symbol. 88899 chart, 88992 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk a little bit about Europe and Italy. Well, uh, the, there's a, a new populist coalition that is entering uh, the government in Italy, and recently they made it clear that it's not currently looking for the ECB to write down its 250 billion billion euros of Italian sovereign debt. Now what does that mean? Well, if you understand what's happened uh, across central banks across the world, they've been buying debt uh, and um, uh, mostly been buying sovereign debt. Here in the US it's treasury bonds, right? So the Fed's been doing. But the European Central Bank, the ECB, has been doing the same. But what they've been buying is the bonds of nations uh, throughout Europe, uh, including Italy, even the peripheral countries uh, like Italy and Spain, etc. The company countries that are having or were having a lot of fiscal problems back in, what was it, 2012 when we had the European crisis, right? Sovereign debt crisis with Greece and and the like, uh, and the the fact that they started to print money and buying those bonds, that is kind of what saved the European Union for the time being. Well, it didn't really solve the problem, though. It, it just kind of masked it over by giving liquidity to the sovereign debt market and gave the uh, governments time to heal themselves, to uh, issue reforms, in integrate reforms that will put them in on a more sustainable path. Well question is, have these countries been doing it? And the answer is, not really enough. Uh, they've been doing some things, but not clearly enough to put them on fiscal sustainability. Now, these populists, uh, however, in Italy, want all, reportedly want all sovereign bonds held by the central bank as part of that bond buying program in Italy, uh, by the ECB, uh, to magically just extinguish that debt, right? That's the rumor. Uh, and the latest forecast from the IMF see Italy's debt ratio falling from just over 130% of GDP in 2017 to about 110% by 2026. But that's only if much tighter with much tighter policy than previously has been achieved. So basically saying it, that's what they're forecasting, but more has to be done to get there. And what has already be done, been done has pushed old government out into a new populist government and that's this is what uh, I talked about when Trump was elected was populism is a worldwide thing Trump is uh, or ran as a populist whether he is acting as a populist uh, as president uh, could be argued but populism 
in general worldwide is a, a, a trend okay uh, and this is just one example of how that trend is only continuing so the the problems in Italy are not going away in fact the the even just the the what happened at the beginning of the year was the ECB stopped buying or cut in half its bond buying program and it's planning to get rid of it by September of this year and the fact that they've just stopped or cut their bond buying in half has created a crisis in Italy along with this new uh, 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 new government that wants to put pressure on the ECB to forgive all that debt that they own. Um, and this is what we call monetizing the debt, and this is what central banks around the world are likely to continue to do. So keep an eye on Europe. It is not getting any better. They have not fixed their problems. They just kind of mask them over uh, by buying the sovereign debt that in a lot of ways isn't sustainable. Now let's get back to our 24-hour listener line and pick up another question at 888 chart It's our anytime number. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Matthew in Orlando. I heard someone talking about uh, energy transfer partners, and uh, I just wanted to ask about another company in that group, Energy Transfer Equity. I bought them about two years ago, and my mentor just got out of them because they didn't want to be an MLP anymore, and I was just wondering what your thoughts on them were. Thank you in advance. Bye. All right, Energy Transfer Equity Limited Partnership. This is an MLP owning 100% general partner interest in Energy Transfer Partners and Regency Energy Partners. So uh, it has uh, controlling interest in those names. Yield 7.1%. Uh, earnings are up 117% year over year. Very strong. Revenues up 23% year over year. Uh, it's a limited partnership, and these are, are up and down. Earnings are up and down. This fell from a high of about $35 a share back in 2015 before energy prices fell. Fell to a low of $4 a share. Rebounded now, trading at $17.09 a share. And it's been kind of consolidating for just a, a couple of years. You had the recent dip because of the ruling in relation to mass limited partnerships and the treatment, tax treatment, things like that. It's a complicated mess, but basically it's saying that uh, a lot of these limited partnerships uh, are probably better off now based on this ruling turning into just corporations and uh, their tax advantage status is is a lot more muddled uh, a lot more complex than it was before and I'm sure many of them are going to be converting over to the status of corporations and a likely that 7.1% dividend is going to be cut because of the changing cost structures etc so once again it's very complex you need to read up on it it's a, it's a I can't really explain it simply in this uh, format uh, but you do need, need to look into that um, I like the way it's been consolidating I like how it's recovered some from this recent drop uh, but a lot of that has to do with energy prices going up, right? Energy prices drop, dro dropped it down. Energy prices going up have been a, definitely a tailwind. Um, so I would probably study a little bit more about that limited partnership uh, issue. And, you know, I think oil prices are closer to a peak than they are a bottom. And so I probably would not be owning energy transfer equity. Now we're going into our final segment. So get your money questions in now. Not, do not let this opportunity pass you by. Give us a call at 888 chart 
We've got time for one more round of calls on Invest Talk for this Monday, May 21st. And tomorrow, two risks that come into play with bonds. But right now, if you've got a question for Justin, give us a call. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Greg in San Ramon. How you doing, Greg? Hey there, Justin. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. What can I do for you? Yeah, I have a question about uh, Houlihan and Loki. It's stock symbol HLI. I'm okay. interested in possibly taking a position in this stock. Looks like the company is growing and uh, they've done well since they came public. Um, just wondering what you think would be a good entry point. Well, it has had a recent pullback from its 52-week high of about $53 a share, uh, pulled back in about 45, and now it's at 49.40 at the close today. Uh, and it's uh, it's now it had a little up move a couple weeks ago, and it's consolidating that. Uh, which is good. It yields about 2.2%. Its market cap is $3 billion. Uh, revenues are down 5% year over year last quarter, but that could have been a one-time anomaly. Uh, earnings are up 10% year over year, but that is slowing, so that worries me a little bit. Uh, you know, this is a, this is an investment bank. They provide mergers uh, and acquisition, financing and restructuring services. They are local here in Southern California. I've heard of them. I believe I know a person or two that works with them. Uh, my cousin is actually an investment banker in the in the space, so uh, I'm sure I've met a, uh, uh, one of their employees or two uh, through her. Um, you know, it's a good company. I know that. The question is, is this too late in the cycle? Right? Inve- investment banking is historically a very cyclical uh, endeavor. Right? When business is good, companies want to acquire others, and uh, they want to get financing to grow and things like that. Uh, but also in a downturn, they can also do the same thing because they need financing uh, and they need M and A because they're um, you know maybe they need to uh, do a strategic uh, investment or something like that. Um, so they can they can do well in both cycles, but historically they're not as good in a down cycle. Uh, and they've obviously had a nice positive up cycle. 2013, they made nine dollars ninety cents a share. Next next year, they're supposed to make three dollars and or $2.81 a share. So they certainly have been growing. Uh, let me look at their valuations real quick. Uh, enterprise value revenue three. They have no debt, which is good. You know, I kind of like it. I just like the space and I like the profitability. I like the chart in general. It's in an uptrend. I just don't like the history of the name, but in general, I like the company. Thanks for the call. Oh, let's go to Mike in San Jose. How are you doing, Mike? Good, thank you, Justin. I was hoping uh, you'd give me your opinion on Baidu, please. Okay. Baidu. Uh, this is a Chinese provider of internet search targeting, online advertising, and other internet-related content. They're kind of the Google of China. The stock has been very volatile as of late. Uh, it's down about 15% over the past uh, couple weeks. That I don't like. I think it's overvalued. I mean, you're talking uh, about a company that uh, it's growing, um, but growth is is slowing um, uh, from a revenue standpoint. And technically, it's starting to kind of top out. 
um, and that uh, that I don't like. Um, I just think it's expensive. I think you're going to find a, a better value. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 19. Um, revenue slowing. Revenue growth is slowing. You know, I'm just not a huge fan of Baidu at these levels. Okay, good enough. Thank you. Thanks for the call. It was down. Yeah, it's down $12 today. Technically, I just don't like this uh, this chart pattern. It looks like it's topping to me overall, uh, and I just don't like uh, what's happening uh, over over in China uh, from a regulatory standpoint and a liquidity standpoint. It's been down on big, big volume the last couple days, so not a fan of Baidu here. I guess that's uh, we're gonna close the show. Let's take a quick look at the market to close the day. Uh, we had a modest update, not quite of a good of an update as we would expect with the news of China agreeing to better trade terms and reducing the deficit, etc. Uh, the trade deficit. Uh, we kind of had a, it was just a modest update. Once again, I think we, uh, rallies continue to be guilty until proven is that we haven't really, uh, that NASDAQ is, or sorry, that Russell's broken out, but the Dow, the S&P, and even the NASDAQ are looking relatively weaker uh, and uh, just still not uh, a fan of this market. Now everyone knows that a good portfolio review is something you must do from time to time. And Steve is traveling to San Jose next month to offer free individual retirement reviews. Here's your chance to get it done. To set up a time, just go to investtalk.com, click on the Invest Talk tab, then portfolio review. Once again, the date is June 6th. So you you can book your hour with him. I'm financial advisor Justin Klein. Steve and I thank you for making us part of your day. We'll do this again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.